the cat has been also in the background while we've been recording, so you'll probably hear him. I was like, ah. I was like, you're gonna hear my cat meowing on my podcast. You know, people like cats. They'd be understanding, probably, you know? We should have introduced her. Damn it. <laughs> My pronouns are they, them, she, her. My pronouns are they, them. My pronouns are she, her. All right. Um, and this is B5 Radio, made by the Butterfly Collective. Um, coming to show you and tell you lots of good things. We're starting this uh, radio show, podcast, whatever you want to call it, information, news, outlet, and whatever, whatnot. Um, but we're starting this for the Butterfly Collective to get a sustainable revenue source for our mutual aid and whatever trans need that is in the Milwaukee community. We'll also be using this podcast for creating an art medium for queer artists and letting them showcase their art, a spotlight, if you will. Um, This will be a space for queer artists to chat their intellect and let the world know what's up. This will also be a space where we create queer joy, queer happiness. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much why we're doing this. And we hope to get that mola. So you gotta open up your wallet and donate to the Butterfly Collective. Because like we gotta take care of the community. And you can donate through our Venmo, which is Butterfly Collective, um, or our GoFundMe. And the GoFundMe link is in our link tree. Um, as far as what the collective is doing right now, we are raising our uh, mutual aid fund amount from 2000 to 3000. Um, and then we have another t-shirt sign design in the works, which was created by a local non-binary artist named Kem. Their IG is they Kem, they Kem. So shout out to them. Um, we also have the assertiveness and self-defense and healing circle classes hosted by Isabel Ku Miller, um, who hosts their own um, healing circles for the collective and healing circles. Um, and men's accountability circles in their own time. And they're graciously helping us out. And we're using that as a medium for fundraising. Shout out, shout out. Shout out, shout out to them. Yeah, Isabel's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And we are planning on having that in November. So we have four different dates that you can pick from. Um, November 10th, the 17th, the 21st, and the 22nd. Um, So there'd be one class where it's the assertiveness and self-defense and then one class for the healing circle and the link to sign up is also in our link tree which is on our instagram page um and then we are also doing a fundraiser with the green gallery um linea from the green gallery is a local queer artist who works in collaboration with other um artists around the country and they are going to be doing a virtual gallery um and efforts to fundraise for the collective so that's pretty cool that's so sweet (laughs) like i wish i could like pop up some of the art the art is like really wicked like i'm excited to just like go through and see what the artists are like going to present for us um it's still in the works but yeah lastly um we are still working with the mke self-defense fund folks they are just getting the supplies in and then we'll let everyone know 
how we're going to be able to distribute those out to folks. So thank y'all for signing up, but it's currently closed. And you can also follow the Butterfly Collective on Instagram or Facebook at Butterfly Collective to keep getting updates as they happen. Period. Yeah, so today we wanted to talk a little bit about our, like the hosts here, our relationship with words in preparation for the special guest we will be having later. Um, yeah, when I was thinking about this, I've been thinking about words a lot lately because I'm living at home right now, home being like with my dad and my stepmom. And usually I would be living on my own. Um, but because of COVID and everything happening, I'm back home right now. And it's been interesting to be out of like my really immediate peer group and people who are sort of like learning about the world at the same time as me and seeing how our definitions for words are so different than maybe other people and like trying to remember how communication is a lot more than just saying what you think because you have to say what you think and also remember what that means to someone else. Right. And so you maybe have to say not exactly what you're thinking, but what comes across to that person is what you're thinking. Like words are so fluid and right. all right. change so much in different situations. So I've been like working with that a lot lately. Right. And it's like, we've been talking a lot about impact versus intent, which is just essentially like how you interpreted like what you were saying versus how someone received it. Mm -hmm. So like you could say something in a certain way and then you mean it in this way, but somebody else would take those words and be harmed by it in some way or they take it in a different way because we all have been raised with a different relationship with words. So that's really interesting that you brought that up. Um, as far as my own relationship with words, it's very complicated. Um, just because I'm someone who has a hard time like taking all of the, the, the words in my brain and making it translate into speech. Um, I'm someone who usually can get my point across through text really like efficiently and effectively. But then when I'm saying words, I'm always like, oh, I miss, I didn't mean to like leave that part out. Like it's really hard for me to like connect those synapses in my brain in order for it to translate. Um, but I, I am someone who really enjoys writing. Um, I guess that's why I'm able to communicate um, written versus verbally. I relate to you in that sense, you know, like it's hard, like when you're in a moment and you're talking to somebody and it's like, you'll be thinking of like the next couple things that you're gonna say and then you're like, oh, I just forgot it. The approach to it that I have is um, I try to convey as much as possible, but within like my power and leaving that like space for like questions within that like communication with words, um, just because like it's how we communicate. And if you don't leave space for somebody to be like, what is this like then there's never really necessarily no clarity um and so like i try to carry my words with like with some chutzpah some weight <laughs> um just in the sense of like when, when i'm talking to you like you're, you're gonna know you're, you're gonna know what i'm saying you're gonna have a clear meaning and distinction of it yeah, yeah especially like what you're saying about like leaving the space for the other person because Sometimes you don't even know what questions need to be asked until someone else asks them because you're just, so many things can be a given in your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I run into that a lot, especially when I'm writing, interestingly enough. Like when I'm writing, I feel like I forget to explain the background of how I got to where I am mm -hmm. because I'm like, well, obviously this is where I am because there's no other place that I would be, you know? I also love words because like, when there's like group discussions, people can say things that you hadn't like thought about in a way before. And so now you 
your relationship to whatever the, the topic is or like concept is has changed because someone else has introduced something new to you. Mm-hmm. Words make us feel. Words make us feel a lot. I don't know, like you ever just have somebody like confess their love for you and it's just so moving and you're just like, ah, like I've never had somebody tell me those things before. <laughs> like that's how powerful words are. They're so moving. Yeah, like words really create our entire world like I think it's easy to think of the world as physical but it's really just what we're speaking and how we're framing it and I mean sometimes more than other times of course okay. but and I think we all probably have like a, a really direct relationship to that too just with how like labeling and speaking about yourself to other people can make you feel as well can really like it's such a crazy process to go through <laughs> and like come to terms with. We use words to like shape our identity too. Like we use different terms to define like who we are. That's, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like from hearing y'all say that, I just kind of th- had the thought of uh, words create an experience. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we have you know, sonnets and poetry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, novels, just because like words paint such a like vivid picture for us. Um, which is a hint to who our guest is today. We love that segue. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be having Mikey Covey Apollo. She is a local queer, black feminist, sex positive, body positive poet that comes strong with her words. She leaves an impact. She leaves her words ringing in your head. So like expect to be sent for a doozy today. Okay, like this is a this is a woman that has a very special relationship to words. And that's why we are bringing her on today. I'm very excited to hear her take on words and how she's going to arrange them, you know, like words. When when people are speaking, it's almost like music. Like I'm a musician and sometimes when like, it's it's almost like jazz, you know, like our voices, they go high, they go low. There's like a tone to them. There's a timbre. There's, there's so much to it. And mm-hmm. Poetry is more than just spoken word. It's a it's a song form. It's a painting. It's it's all of it in a bag of chips, and that's what Mickey <laughs> is gonna bring us. Like, it's it's that. You are listening to are Butterfly Radio.
You are listening to Butterfly Radio. I thought we had to like let you in first. Yeah, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Oh, hi. Hey. Hi. How's it going, Mike? How are you? Good. Um, I was trying to find a space with better lighting in my apartment, and it just was a dub. So here we are. But I'm happy to be here. Really excited. Yeah, we're excited too. You look beautiful and well lit, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself, give your pronouns, say a little bit about what your art is about and all that? Sure. Um, so my name is Mikey. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I've been doing spoken word poetry since 14 but I knew I wanted to be a writer in second grade when my teacher introduced me to Junie B. Jones. Um, I competed in slam poetry all throughout high school, got to college and was like, okay, I still wanna do this, but I wanna like do this in a way that gives back. So I helped run the open mic at UWM for a bit, uh, Lyrical Sanctuary. And now I'm just kind of floating in the pandemic, trying to figure out how I'm gonna keep creating um, and paying bills and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel similar to that and trying to figure out how to, you know, keep the keep the art going and the life rolling at the same time right now. Um, but you have some work for us today, a special performance. <laughs> so if you feel if you feel ready. Yeah, I can jump right in. Whenever, take your time whenever you're, whenever you're good to go. Okay. Um, so this is a piece I did in a workshop that was led by spoken word artist Ajane Dawkins, um, who's like amazing. Um, but it's definitely like a little bit more like outside of like what I usually kind of do. Um, she had us do four different styles of poetry in different sections. So like some parts are an iambic pentameter, some are list poems. It just, it was a wild experience. Um, but this is my first time sharing it outside of the workshop. So I'm excited that it gets to be here. Section one, to my favorite Scorpios, the other halves of myself, the parts of me most intimate and raw. How thankful I am for all the times we decided that the only way for us to survive was to go together. Thank God for the years we shared the same laugh and the same sob. I tell everyone y'all are the healthiest, longest relationship I've had. How honest and open, how tender and soft, how much of myself I have poured into you and vice versa. I love you both because we are the same flesh, the same sacrifice. I think of the battles we won and the ones we lost to. I think of how I miss you even sometimes when we are in the same room, and I know that must be selfish, but I could hold space for y'all forever. Section two. I think of every friend I must have lost. This includes even the ones I fell for. I think it is normal to be in love with those we call a soulmate, a homie. Is that not what it means to be queer, to be a black girl in a sad ass world so much so we try to save it wholly. Section three, if I told him what scared me the most, I doubt he would believe me. How could they name it after all? How can you explain the way it moves, how it crawls throughout and begs to be held or cries because it seeks you? If I told him he would be closer to me and perhaps we could fight it together, but it sits and waits. It possesses me when I least expect it. It keeps me awake and asleep, a gift from those before me the ones they don't mention aloud, the parts I inherited and I cannot shake. Four, praise the heart that continues to beat even when there was once a man who didn't want it to. Many have tried to kill me and failed. Many have wished for this and fester when it's time to prove itself. Welcome be to the way she takes up space, how she is loud and unashamed, how she breaks bread, how she deciphers, how she cannot be tampered with and how she also forgives. Make way, make way. You cannot block an avalanche like this. You cannot cage a thunderstorm like her. That's the piece. Thank you. 
So internet connection kind of went out for a second there, and I feel really salty that I missed like like a good portion of that piece. Yeah, it is all good. I will send it so via. Like, no. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank y'all. I'm excited. Um, what What were your thoughts and feelings when you wrote this? Um. So the. I don't remember what the actual like marketed theme of the workshop was, but a lot of it had to do with friendships and the way that like, just how do your friendships look and your relationships look. Um, and we read like pieces between like Pat and Audrey Lord and just, it was a really reflective experience. So I thought a lot about my two closest friends, um, which in real life, we all like joke and we're like, this is the healthiest relationship we have. Um, just because I think our friendship is just so, like we've known each other since we were 11. Um, so like we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, like all that good stuff. Um, so for me, it just, it came from a place of gratitude because I have like these two anchors in my life. Um, but it also was like kind of nice, I guess, to look on the other side of things too and be like, wow, we've been friends for like 10 plus years and like, we're still here and we're thriving and look at all that we've like been through together. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are the typical feelings, I think, or the, the main feelings I felt um, going through the workshop and through that piece particularly. You said you were friends with this person for 10 plus years? Yeah, um, so it was, it's for two folks specifically. Um, my besties, Margie and Kaylee, we've been friends since sixth grade. How do you navigate like the good, the bad, and the ugly and sustain our friendship for that long? Um, lots of patience. Uh, and I just think our communication, like we just, we've been able to like really grow up together. Um, Cause on top of like just time, we're also all in different places. So Margie lives in Minnesota. Um, Kaylee was living in a different state for a little bit and now she's back here. Um, so for us, like communication was really, that was the only way we got to like hang out was, you know, virtually, um, you know, before it became cool with like COVID and stuff. Um, but it's just, it's patience, it's communication. And I think really just understanding, like, if I'm saying something to you and it hurts you, you letting me know, um, and me taking ownership for the fact that I hurt you. So like, we're really big on being like, hey, do you want advice or do you want me to listen? Do you want me to be blunt and honest or do you want like support, but I also don't hold back. So just understanding that everything is coming from a place of love and care, I think is really helpful. Um, but also, like I said, like it, it's definitely taken like some tears, some like, you know, like itty bitty, like catty moments before it was like, all right, bitch, like, <laughs> let's come back. <laughs> the center and like remember that like we're here so yeah but those those two are my world I love them so deeply yeah and I feel like too when you're so close with someone it can almost like you need to remind yourself to be gentle with them sometimes like when you get to a point where you feel like you can be so open and honest sometimes you forget that it can still like really impact them and it's not always easy to like remember the love that's obviously there like within the action do you feel like when you write things like this that are really about your relationships and friendships do you feel like it's harder for you to read these poems and say these things perform them for the friends and the people they are about or do you feel more vulnerable and it's more difficult to do it with strangers I think it's harder with them right like I love I love singing my best praises like I could go out on the street right now and be like, let me tell you all the cool things that they're doing. Um, but I think like, to me, I'm like, there are no words to like, really like describe you and our relationship. So it's so hard to like, when I do put something together being like, here, please take this gift. And like, please know I wrote it with all my heart. Um, just because in my head, I'm gonna be like, this is not good enough. You deserve the world. Um, so it's much harder, I think, for me to have that kind of, I don't want to say level of vulnerability with them because like we just are naturally vulnerable with each other, but it's just so much, it's like so different trying to like do it in a way that's also like my art form and being like, please take this. Um, 
no yeah it's definitely it's actually vulnerability yeah it's a different form of vulnerability because it's one my feelings two it's my art and then three it's like it's these people who are important um and all that together can just be like really difficult yeah wanting to do them justice you know you said you've been doing this since you were 14 um yeah I think like performing poetry like for real for real since I was 14 how has it changed over time um I like to think it got better <laughs> like hopefully so uh first and foremost but outside of that too I think I learned to be more vulnerable in my art and like write about myself um when I was in high school, we had slam poetry competitions. And so a lot of the times you, be, you, you fall into the habit of being like, I know what topics will get a perfect score. I know what performance will tear at the judges' heartstrings. Um, and I think I strayed away from writing about the things that you know impacted me like super directly um, or that were just about me, period. So a lot of times, you know, we wrote about like different social justice issues, things that we heard in the news, like things that, you know, were kind of like common in slams but for me it I think I was maybe 16 or 17 when I wrote a poem um outside of break a poems like that was my shit I would I would do that regardless um because judges love a good break a poem but like the stuff about like my like actual like hurt inner feelings I don't think those made the page until I was like 16 17 um because by that point I was like starting to outgrow the slam scene a little bit um, understanding that like it was really about the poetry and not about the points. Um, and so it just was so much easier than like it, it really was like day or night, like a light switch where it was like, no, I'm gonna write about like me and maybe that'll help me process. And then once I process, someone else can maybe process and you know, understanding that that is still impactful, even if it just is like one person who hears the work um, versus like a crowd of people who just are like, woo, we're just excited for slam, like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you went to arts, right? Yes. I can imagine you were in the Grand Avenue Mall space in the basement with the pizza and Dasha Kelly. <laughs> yes. Dasha is my poetry mom, so a lot of credit I also give to her. Um, but yeah, Voltage, the Voltage Space, what is it? Janice College Preparatory Arts Academy? Mm -hmm. Yep. Crucial. Do you feel like going to the slams and being in that space during your teenage years made a big impact on the way you see the world and think about other people? Or was it just sort of like part of what was always gonna be part of your process? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think, I think it definitely like shifted how I view the world. Um, you know, I think, so when I think of like myself outside of art and just like what I care about like when I think of myself through like a social justice lens I didn't really know shit until I got to college and was introduced to stuff in classes then um but my earliest introduction was probably through listening to other people's pieces like hearing how certain things that didn't impact me directly impacted them um and so I think coming out of slam like yeah it could at times be really like competitive and sometimes a toxic space because that's just the nature when you you know like people are competing but I think I really learned a lot about just people and like how to be like tender and gentle um in, when you're like first meeting someone or like when you're congratulating somebody after they perform something really vulnerable I definitely think it shaped a lot of how I view not only like people but like just even physical spaces in which you curate these kind of events um yeah, I think Dasha has really like, she really came through for so many of us um, and made a lot of us better people because of it. Yeah, and she has her own space now, right? Yeah, the retreat. Yes, I love it in there. I think I've been there one time. And it's just a nice open space. Um, I got to see uh, one of the, um, I forget what they're called. Like the the people, the poets who go more than one time, the featured poet, yes. Um, and people were throwing up pieces of paper. Um, and then we had to read that someone on stage had to read them. Um, it's such a good space. I'm so happy that she was able to open that up. Yeah, I wasn't able to visit the retreat um pre-COVID, so I'm hoping that they'll do something pretty grand once 
everything cleared up. Um, Cause I hear just so many beautiful things about it. How do you feel like the space of the art, did you grow up in Milwaukee? I should ask first, did you grow up in Milwaukee? Yes. Okay. Do you feel like, how do you feel like that atmosphere in the city informed you in your work? Um, I think I had a very complicated relationship with Milwaukee just because Milwaukee is infamous for so many awful things. Um, of course, the stat that everybody throws around about being segregated. Um, I think if I had to be born in another city or do anything over again, I, I wouldn't. I have really grown to love and appreciate the city, um, even with all of its issues, um, because of the fact that like this is always going to be home. Um, and I wouldn't be me without this city. Um, the people in my life wouldn't be who they are. And also Milwaukee is so much bigger than just like the stuff you see on the news or you read in articles. Um, it really is a big collective. Like we, we always will like joke and be like, yeah, it's a city, but it's like a small city because everybody knows each other here. Um, and I think even through the different issues like segregation, like when you find those pockets of people who you can call community and who pull you together, like you can't ask for much more than that. Um, was the second part of that question, how has it informed my work? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, growing up and being a black woman here, like I feel like I just see the world, like just that's the lens I live with. Like it's, I'm a black girl from Milwaukee um, and everything that like people think of when they first hear that statement versus my own lived experiences, like I just, it has to inform my work because that's just, that's how I see the world. Um, and I know the world is like bigger than the city, but like, I take the city with me wherever I go. Like, I love being from Milwaukee. I love telling people that I'm from here. And yeah, you hear the jokes where it's like, I didn't know black people lived in Milwaukee. Or they're like, don't y'all make cheese there? And it's like, no, it's so much greater than that. And let me tell you about it. Um, so it's it's been a long journey. It's been a complicated journey, but I I give everything for Milwaukee. Yeah, I think that is definitely- We love that in Milwaukee. Like a pretty big misconception about Milwaukee and Wisconsin too. Like a lot of people, like when I meet other people in different states or like my friends have said the same thing to me as well, especially like I have one friend who definitely like has a very distinct style. Like when they walk in the room, like you can see them and like, they always look amazing and like, you can tell they're there. And whenever they would tell people they were from Milwaukee, they were like, really? Like, are you sure? Like you're from Wisconsin? Like, you don't seem like you're from Wisconsin. And it's like, well, there's plenty of people here like doing their thing too. And that's what I think one of those things about Milwaukee I love the most is that there is so much here. Um, And like, whether it's through like style or art and culture, like it's it's a gold mine here. but folks like look over it partially, I think, because we're right by like Big Brother Chicago. So that's like so much easier because it's like they're Chicago. Um, but also like, I don't know, it's just it really I think if Milwaukee had more of the resources and more of a platform, like it could really be like an LA or a Chicago or a New York. Um, but like folks leave the city and then they don't come back. Um, or they leave and they're like, I hate that city. Um so my hope is that if if I ever leave like I'd be able to come back and be like all right I got these skills and these resources in some other places now I can give back um just because that's the only way you really make change sorry I went on like a whole side rant but no that's a super (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow we love Milwaukee. Milwaukee got culture. Um, we are very happy to have you a part of our culture, Mikey. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for offering and can, having continued thrive. Thank you. I'm I'm just a reflection of y'all. I'm a reflection of my village and those around me. Like keep reflecting, honey. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What does a village look like for you? Like, what does community feel like for you? Ooh, y'all just coming out with like the big, the big. Um, we have bigger ones. Get ready. (laughs) No pressure. Um, what does community and village look like? Like, okay, so I will give you examples. 
Um, when I got COVID in June, I like posted on Facebook to like let people know one, cause like I had just been at a protest and just like all the different like stigma that comes with being sick, yada, yada, yada. When I tell you people who I either talked or met once, like dropped off medicine, dropped off Gatorade, dropped off like cards or home cooked meals, like people pulled through. And I think that's the biggest like thing of like community or village where it's like, I see you and I care about you, whether we're like best friends or we're family or, you know, you're this person I met once and like, I just thought you were cool or you're just somebody I added on Facebook. Like to me, that's what village and community is where you support and you care and it's unconditional not, and like time doesn't necessarily define that. Um, and then outside of that, I think of Shivanda and Love on Black Women Fund, like- Yes. We love Shavonda over here. Yes. <laughs> Shavonda's perfect. Like, I just, I love Shavonda. Um, like, if Shavonda had a fan club, I would, like, sit and be secretary. Like, I would do the things. Um, but, yeah, like, I just, I think of that, right? Like, Shavonda saw a need um, and was like, okay, well, no one else is going to do it, so I'm going to do it. Um, yeah, I just think really village and community is taking care of each other. It's also holding each other accountable. And that's where people get like messy and they're like, oh, that's difficult. I don't wanna do that. Um, but I think like true community and like being a true village, like you gotta have those hard conversations. You gotta navigate like uncomfortable feelings. Um, that's the only way you really grow and like continue to thrive. Um, so yeah, I just, those are the best like instances in which I think of like the first things I think of when I think like community and village. Yeah, I think that's on par with how we've been navigating the collective because like without the community, we wouldn't really have a sustainable collective in the first place. Mm -hmm. We love village. We love community. I feel like Milwaukee has a, its own unique like way of showing up and showing out, especially the black folks, but you know. That's just what I observe. I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's maybe it's true. You never know. <laughs> Being in community, you know, um, there'd be those moments, those, those very heartfelt joy moments. But like, you know, times have been tough. You said you had COVID. Um, how are you keeping Black joy alive? What does Black joy mean to you? I think for me, Black Joy, I had a very interesting conversation last year during the film festival um, with some of the folks at Milwaukee Film who work on uh, the Black Lens program. And, you know, this is around a little bit after like the Popeye's chicken phase and everything like just that was happening in the world. Like it was a little bit after that. And we were talking about what it means to like, what does it mean to really like be Black and have joy? Um, and how do you sustain that when, you know, the world is what it is? Um, and we were just talking about how even like black joy as like a revolutionary act or like pleasure activism, it's like, well, what does it mean to just be black and joyful, right? Like it's not rooted in anything about like change or resistant. Like you literally are just a black human being and you're geeked. Like, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And I think I'm still trying to strive and find answers. Um, Cause I do think black joy is like a revolutionary thing. And like, you know, I've been reading, you know the book of Adrian Marie Brown's like pleasure activism. Like that's just how I think of it now but I still kind of wrestle with the idea of like what does it look like when it's not politicized? Um, and I'm still just trying to find the answer to that. But for me personally, black joy has looked like going on virtual or not virtual cause we live together but like finding things to do with my partner and still like having like date nights. Um, Lots of YouTube, have been binging a lot of YouTube um, and just taking care of myself like through makeup or like updating like my skincare routine, like just anything where it's like, okay, you're doing this because like you need to take care of yourself and you're necessary and all that other stuff, but also like <laughs> you deserve it. Treat yourself like that kind of thing. How's everything been going with the collective though? Like how, like, I feel like y'all just one day were like, we're going to do this. And then I like blew up overnight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of was just like, we were all just like, yeah, we know that the community has this needs. Like, let's do this by, with the forefront of art and music. And here we are. 
Yeah, and it just so happens that we know a lot of like local artists and the very first event that we had was by a local artist who held, who held their own like gallery and they gave us 50% of the proceeds. So it just kind of launched from there of like people reaching out and being like, hey, I want to have art. I want to tie it into some sort of activism work. Mm -hmm. And then it's just been sustaining ever since. Yeah, and it's really been community driven, like for foremost, like, and that's the thing that I try to stress to people that like, it's a collective. So like, it's a collective work. Like anybody can jump in and do this work. People have this, this like thing where they think that we just kind of have the money or we have like a sponsor of some sort when it's like, no, the community is the one that's like helping us like sustain, helping us to be able to give money to folks. Mm -hmm. um, so we can only grow from there if the community continues to aid us and that support. You are listening to Butterfly Radio. You are listening to are Butterfly Radio. Welcome back to the Butterfly Radio Show. We're talking with Mikey, who is a poetry. Would you? Say, oh, I forgot the word. A poet. I was going to say a poetist for a second. That's not <laughs> a poet from Milwaukee. Um, and. I would like to know, you talk a lot about being a feminist in your work and being a black feminist specifically. And we are really curious, what does sexual liberation and body, body positivity mean for a black feminist like yourself? Ooh, okay. Um, if I talk too long on this, like, please feel free to throw the flag in and be like, yo, <laughs> you gotta chill. Um, Cause Good I could talk for, this, this could be my TED talk. Um, <laughs> so for me, I grew up in a very like sex positive house. Um, my mom was very open and was like, if you have questions, let me know. Like we can talk about whatever. I don't want you to feel shame or embarrassment, um, which was like, amazing um to ha and like I, I'm very privileged to say that like my mom was like dope as fuck and had no problem being like body positivity like love yourself and like take care of yourself and like where does like health and all this other stuff me like she's the best um but you know I also grew up in like a very Christian household so it was just interesting being in like the space in which that completely like contradicts itself um 
And so for me, body positivity and sex positivity start one was just like having all the information. And I think my mom taught me that like first by being like, there's no shame in asking questions um, and wanting to learn and know more. Um, so for me, like I think of that first, right? Like just having access to information, um, like knowing as much as you can about like, you know, your own body and like consent and just like, you know, not having stigma around things like masturbation, like just all that jazz. Um, but then also I think of it very much being rooted in choice. Um, so I know there's like that, there was like this cartoon drawing that um, if like old now, but it had like a woman wearing a bikini and then a woman, um, I don't know the actual like proper name for it, but a woman who's like completely covered head to toe um, and them looking at each other and being like, oh my gosh, she dresses for the male gaze, blah, blah, blah. Like it just being like real, like, it just was growth. Um, mm -hmm. And I just think like really, like for me, sex and body positivity looks a lot like just like wearing whatever makes you most comfortable and feel most confident, um, no matter gender, no matter body type. Um, and even if that is like dressing modestly, like there's no shame in like, you know, that as well. Um, but also like, you know, there's also no shame in like being like as naked as you wanna be um, in public spaces. Um, Cause that's totally like your choice. Um, so for me, it's ha in having information, having the choice. Um, and then also like, I think it's that constant work of also unpacking like your own biases as well. Um, so I know like as much as like, I like that's work I'm gonna always be doing, right? Because I was socialized to look at like what my, like what people say, like someone who is fat, like what like we should be wearing um, and like having to like check my own like internalized fat phobia and be like, so we're not gonna do that today. Like, you know, just that kind of work. Um, Cause it never ends. It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, I'm top tier feminist. I've done the work. Like it's, like, it's always something where you're gonna be like, okay, well, why do I feel that way? Or why did I think this? Or why did I judge this person based off this? Um, Cause even if you're not saying stuff out loud or typing it on Facebook, like just even having those fleeting thoughts like is moments where you need to like check yourself um, and just like really do a lot of that work and unpacking. Um, that's just, that's, that's, that's it. You can't rock the title and like not be doing the work. Right. It's a lot of continuous learning and unlearning um, implicit biases and things like that. Um, I guess our final like heavy question, it's not even a heavy question. <laughs> it's um, an interview question. Um, you wrote a poetry book called Black Girls, Silence and Other Things Made of Gold. Um, we were wondering like, what does that process look like? The entire process of like putting a poetry book together. Cause I'm sure some folks don't know that you can self publish and things like that. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, um, I'm thankful for Dasha Kelly cause Dasha is who I hit up when I was like, so I wanna do this. How do I do this? Um, so first step before even getting to printing and publishing and all that jazz was um, just writing the poems. Um, so once, like this was like a, a five plus year journey. Um, I published the book in 2017, but some of those poems were, you know, I wrote in like 2014 um, and just like, you know, going through the revision stage of being like, okay, these all have a theme, I'm gonna put them here. Or, you know, these all kind of have a theme, I'm gonna put them here. Um, the total number of poems is somewhere between like 69 and 72. Um, so what I literally did once I was like, okay, these are the poems I want to put in the book. I printed them all out and like, a, like on the living room floor with like one of my like homies, we like, it was like, um, Tetris. It was like Tetris basically just like trying to be like, what is the order? Like what sounds good and what like makes sense to go like next to each other. Um. And even while doing that process, like I ended up scrapping some poems that I was like, mm, sorry, this ain't like, this, this is not your time. Um, but also like trying to figure out like, what is it that I want to share? Um, and what I think is most necessary um, for this collection. Um, so once I had the pieces, once they were revised, once I figured out the order, then it came time to, okay, how do I get this in like a book form? Um, so I went through Paragon Printing 
which is like a cute little nonprofit. Um, and what I did was I just reached out via email was like, Hey, I'd like to publish a book. Um, you know, this is who sent me, you know, shout out to Dasha Kelly. Uh, what do I do next? And so they were so easy to work with. And the turnaround time was like ridiculous. Like I was like, I'm not gonna need this book for a couple of weeks. Um, but they could have had it to me, like, I think within a week, week's time. Um, so I ended up sending a PDF first. Um, and also with the cover, um, one of the words, the word gold is actually in gold. Um, but that wasn't like the original, like PDF. I sent it and they were like, I think my mom suggested changing the color and they, they were able to do that. And then in addition to that, um, it was actually Paragon Printing who was like, you know, you could put your bio on the back of the book. Um, so they just were super helpful and like really helped bring it to life um, and really listened. Um, Cause clearly I was like, how old was I in 2017? I was 21 years old. I was, you know, geeked about this first book and I knew nothing. So I was like, please help. Um, and they were just were so patient and they were so willing to like help bring the vision to life. Um, so before they printed like an official copy, I got um, a copy that wasn't like um, glued together, um, which was great because I got to do the same Tetris thing all over again, um, except I literally had, it literally was the book. It just wasn't like the pages weren't glued in. Um, so I was able to set the cover in, aside and like spread all the poems out, do another thing of revision, which helps so much because, you know, naturally like the human brain, if you're looking at something on a computer screen, and your brain knows what the word is supposed to be or what you meant to write, like you're gonna look over it because you've, you've been looking at a screen for hours. Having it out in paper form and being like, oop, this could have been in somebody's hands like this, like made a huge difference. Um, and then once I gave them that kind of copy back and I made the edits on the PDF, I sent the final PDF and then they printed 150 books and we're like, here you go. So yeah, that was how I like, the actual like process of the book. Um, and now I can just send them an email and be like, hey, I'd like to order X amount of books. Um, the pricing is interesting. Like, I don't know, like clearly for me, like I'm just like, this makes sense. Um, like the more books you order, the cheaper it is to print per book. So my advice is mm -hmm. to anyone who wants to self-publish, know what's the price you want to sell the books at because that'll help you figure out okay I'm ordering this many books I can still make a profit versus oh if I just print these many books I would need to sell x and you know just like the the ugly math part of it numbers aren't my strengths um but there was definitely a time where I like almost ordered a very small batch and was like this makes no sense why would I do this um so just being mindful of like you know like what is the amount that you plan to charge and then how like doing the math on okay I would need to order at like a minimum of these books um in order to make sure you're not like overspending right that's awesome I really need to get into self-publishing a book one day I'm really happy <laughs> to have you here to, to like lay out the process for us it's fun. It, I think if you have the right printers, um, and again, going back to the, you know, theme of community and village, if you have the right people with you to like really help you put it together, like I honestly, it was such an easy process. Um, the only time I got stressed was when I actually had the books in my hand and was like, I can't undo anything now. Like they're here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was great. Um, self-publishing was honestly so much easier um and I know I personally like it because I get to you know I get to sign all the books I get to know where they're going I get to mail them um like for me it was so much more personal that way and I liked that um but I also understand some people absolutely would hate that and so they're like I would rather submit to a chapbook contest and have someone else handle that kind of stuff um so it really just depends on you and like how much work you want to do I'm really into like putting the personal touch on things. So I'm, I'm glad you're able to do that through the process that you chose. Um, I think our final thing before we wrap up with affirmations and who we're all loving on is we're gonna do a rapid fire questions. So it's just a set of questions that you can answer within a minute. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you not being able to be long winded? Okay, let's go. <laughs> We're waiting for the timer before we can start. I'm so nervous. Like, <laughs> I'm actually more nervous for these. 
Are you ready? Yes. Okay, go. First celebrity crush. What is the question? First celebrity crush? Yes. Corbin Blue. We love it. <laughs> what is your sun, moon, rising? And rising? Ooh, I am a Capricorn sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Gemini rising. Whoa. <laughs> period, period. And so cool. one word, how does it feel to be a Capricorn? You already knew you were a Capricorn. Um, exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, least favorite thing about Tyler Perry, go. Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Texting or talking? Texting. Favorite childhood TV show? Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yes. Least favorite word? I can swear, right? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've done it like several times. I hate the word cock. It, like, <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> It sounds harsh and uninviting. I don't like it. I love that that's the end of our time, you saying that. I hate the word. (laughs) (laughs) So we would just like to wrap up the show by thanking you for coming on the show. Um, A little birdie told us that you were going to give the collective a copy of your book. Is that true? Yes, I actually have the envelope sitting. I can see it on my kitchen table. Um, Jeannie, so sorry, because I definitely was supposed to drop that off. Um, but yes, I have a book. Um, it is signed. It is ready for y'all. Like, once I have a vehicle, I will drop it off. I have a vehicle. I'll oh, pick yes. it up. Yes, yes. That's what we're going to do. We'll socially distance pick this up. Okay? <laughs> Drive, throw it out the window. Yeah, you- <laughs> <laughs> throw it into the car. <laughs> yes um everybody go get your copies of that book you can get it through mikey's facebook page all of that all of that we love that um we would just like to ask everybody on the show to offer some affirmations and libations and who you're loving on just to end it on a really cute note um one of the best affirmations um i've ever heard or just pieces of advice however you want to call it um came from a Black woman named Nikila Robinson. Nikila was an outstanding poet, um, change maker. I met her through Stillwater's Collective. Um, she unfortunately passed in 2014. Um, but one of the last conversations we had, she told me to write, find your power on my mirror. And so I think about that quote all the time. Um, because power looks so many different ways um, and just different to so many people. So the idea of finding like your own personal power, I think is beautiful and affirming. And so that's that. Um, And then another affirmation, um, I've started telling people um, or asking like my friends, like, have you been gentle with yourself? Um, Just because I think with the pandemic, it's so easy to fall into the well, I should be doing more. I should be doing like, you know, doing this, but I should be relaxing, but I should be creating because I have all this time, like just be gentle with yourself. Um, Because one, ain't no one going anywhere. And two, um, you deserve it. You got to be gentle with yourself. Um, And then who I'm loving on, um, every Black person to ever exist. Um, And also I am... I'm thinking of just again, like those I named earlier, like Dr. Monique Liston, Shivanda, um, Lilo, Tiffany, Tamara, the women of the Bronzeville Collective. Um, and who else? I'm trying to think of, oh, and Jonathan May- Mayers from uh, Lovecraft Country. We'll forever love on that man. Um, and Journey Fault as well. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, Grace, would you like to offer any affirmations? Yeah, um, I'll say based off of everything we've talked about and everything we've heard from Mikey today, um, the affirmation I'll I'll give up is, if you say it, say it with some feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you like to offer? Um, I want to put the affirmation out there of just like, remember to breathe, you know, just to take that moment just to be like, (laughs) yeah, Um, decompress. That's my affirmation. 
And I will end with a quote from Beyonce's Homecoming, do nothing without intention. That is my affirmation that I live by every single day. So yes, spreading all of that good love, all of that intentionality. Um, thank you so much again for coming on to the yes. show as our first guest. Yes. I'm so geeked. I cannot wait to flex on the internet that I am the first one. <laughs> thank you. Have it any other way. I can't wait to start some exclusive content. Right. <laughs> Mikey, what you saying? You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> thank y'all. The space is beautiful and I really didn't need it today. So thank you so much. Um, we are happy to provide it. We want to thank you for coming to create this space with us. Thank you for taking up this space. Definitely. Thank you for your time also. Because I know you're probably busy. You're a Capricorn. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are working. Like you are working every day. Uh -huh. it, it, the amount of Capricorn placements I have, disgusting. <laughs> like, How many? How many? <laughs> I think six. Oh, I have one, and that feels like a lot. <laughs> Wait, what? Is, can I can I have what planet or? Have I'm a Capricorn rising. <gasps> we love to see it. Yes, yes, we love our Capricorn. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you have an amazing night. Um, stay safe. Stay queer. With a dick and I'm proud of it, bitch Most of my life I used to wear a mask just to hide Now I refuse to wear one lest I have to go outside Why should I waste my time living for someone else's pride? The life I choose for me is never for you to decide And that's why they ain't never met a cutie fairy bitch like me A chick who keeps the magic on her lips like me You wishing on a star, that shit is so unlikely you ain't never seen a pretty dream like me. Devil in his own shoulder, looking like Kathy Lee Holder. Yo, baby told me to hold up, she steady pushing a stroller. You get it however you mean, treasure the girl like your dreams. Cause Alex taught me really young, everything not what it seems. Hey, 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 h